Thank you, Pastor Tito. Pastor Tito's doing a great job with our students through the week. <clears throat> also here uh, on the weekends as well. Hey, good morning, everyone. I don't need these. I'm just going to put them on because I know some of you need glasses. So, yeah, I do need them. I can't see what's going on out there, so i got to put them on. It's great to see you. My name is Jeremy. I'm the uh, campus pastor here for New Life Christian Center in Patterson area, so thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, It is our pleasure to host you, and it's great to see you every week. God keeps bringing more and more people here because God's doing something really special and unique here in the Patterson campus, and so you're on the front end of this. Uh, We've only been around for, uh, well, we've been around since 2018, but for two years we were shut down because of COVID and we were online, but then in uh, uh, October of 2021, we began meeting here. And so God has just done amazing things uh, in and through us as a campus family, a faith family since then. So thank you so much for being here this morning. If this is your first time here, we have a gift for you. It's this uh, coffee mug. It's got our logo on it, our little in there. And so before you leave, just head out those doors, turn left, and you'll see our welcome center and grab one of those coffee mugs. That is our gift to you for being a guest with us here at New Life Patterson. And also, if this is your first time here and you don't have a home church that we want to say to you, Welcome home. Amen. Uh, Also, we got a couple things coming up that I wanted to uh, spend just a a few uh, or just a couple of minutes on. Um, uh, First is baptisms. If you've never taken that spiritual journey in water baptism, we just want to encourage you to do that. It is an amazing first step. Uh, or, or next step in your journey after surrendering your life over to Jesus. So baptisms are going to be on Sunday, March the 5th, and our class is going to be on Sunday, uh, February the 26th. And we'll have that after church right over here, and we'll kind of go through the what and the why behind water baptism. Uh, but that is going to be happening on Sunday, March the 5th. And so if you want to be water baptized, make sure you sign up. You can do that through our app. You can do that through our website, or you can just call our, our office number and say, hey, I want to be ba- water baptized at the Patterson Camp. We'll get all your information down there um, and get you on the list. Uh, But it's important that you get signed up. That way we know how many are going to be coming. So Pastor Tito and I will set up the water uh, tank over here uh, the week of. And so it'll be warm. And uh, we promise you that you'll have a great experience. And we'll get to celebrate with you and cheer you on. Bring your family. Invite your neighbors. and Because it's a big deal. Water baptism is a big deal. And we want it to be a special experience for you in your life as well. And then lastly, of course, if you came prepared to give, we just want to say thank you so much uh, for your faithfulness and your giving. If this is your first time here, this doesn't uh, uh, obtain, uh, pertain to you. You just sit back and relax and allow God to, to do something special in your life today. This is for people who already call New Life Patterson their home church. And so we just want to encourage you to take that spiritual discipline and begin giving. So if you came prepared to give, we want to say thank you so much. You can do that Four, uh, one of four ways. You can give uh, through our giving box here on the door. You can just drop it in there on your way out. You can do it through our app. You can do it through the website, or you can just mail that in. But however you decide to give back to God through New Life, we want to say thank you so much. All right? All right, you guys ready to dig in? We're still in our series, Becoming, and uh, we've been talking about what it looks like to become like Jesus. As a reminder, the series is not called Becoming Jesus. We're not, none of us are going to do that. It's becoming like Jesus. And it's basically a personal challenge for all of us to live a life that reflects the image of Jesus in everything that we do. We can't, we know that we can't do that by ourselves. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, becoming like Jesus communicates to the rest of our friends, our neighbors, our community, and to the world that we have died to ourselves. that it's not about us. 
and that we are living the life that he designed and created us to live. So a key verse that we've been reading over the past several weeks is found in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. That's a great declaration from the Apostle Paul. So week one, we began this series by asking ourselves some questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? How did all this get started? This thing called life, which then transitioned to questions like, where am I going after I die? A very key question that we should all ponder. But a more important question uh, other, other than where am I going after I die that we can kind of learn from in this life is who am I becoming? Because who you were yesterday should not be who you are today and it should not be who you are tomorrow. You see, we have a, we have a habit of looking back at our past and we can learn from our past, but we shouldn't focus on our past because it may distract us from becoming who we should be tomorrow. And then if you remember that we said that we should always be growing and developing toward something, culture tells us to grow and develop and to be a better you. And that sounds good, but where is Jesus in that? Where is Jesus in the growth and development in only making me better? You may be thinking, well, if I can become better without Jesus, then why do I need Jesus? Maybe I can become a better me without him. And that's exactly what's being pushed in the American agenda right now. You do you. You do you, boo. That's what we hear. You be you. Don't let anybody offend you. Uh, you whatever you think, whatever your truth, that's your truth. You're, that's your right. That is not the way of Jesus. Because of my own personal experience and in my experience of being a pastor for nearly 20 years, People, people think they don't need Jesus until they need Jesus. And if you know, you know, right? And so far, we've discussed what it looks like to live a surrendered life like Jesus. What would it look like for us to live totally surrendered to him in all areas of our lives? And then we looked at how Jesus lived his life intentionally with purpose and with mission and how that translates into our lives. Last week, we talked about the wisdom of Jesus, wisdom in the way that we respond, wisdom in the way that we see things or our perspective and what, it's look, what it looks like to have peace in our life that only comes from Jesus and seeking after the wisdom of Jesus. So today we're diving into another characteristic of Jesus regarding his generosity. Now, for some of us, the first thing that we think of, the th first thing that goes through our mind when we hear that word generosity is money, right? And you may be here for the first time saying, okay, it's my first time at New Life, and it's another preacher talking about another ser sermon on money. And to be fair, that may be your church experience. So before we begin, I just want to call it out. I want to apologize for such a tainted view of generosity that's connected with the American church. Because I believe that that particular view of generosity grieves the Holy Spirit because that is not the true heart of the Father or the majority of churches. 
I've served in churches in four different states across the country, and I can tell you that the heart behind giving and the church is to teach followers of Jesus how to live open-handed so that we're not so controlled by and constrained by the God of money to the point that it controls us. The generosity of our resources and the church allows ministry to happen. It allows us to help and assist and bless others while also coming alongside programs and community organizations to help them succeed as well. And yes, let's face it, our generosity pays salaries. It pays the rent. It pays utilities. But it also adds staff to do even more ministry. It helps missionaries spread the gospel to remote areas that you and I know we're never going to. It gives food and supplies to people in need that come through our food pantry every week. It puts lessons and crafts and games into, the, into our kids on Sundays and to our students throughout the week. There's a lot that happens because of the faithfulness and generosity of God's people. But generosity is way bigger than just money. And the generosity of Jesus goes far beyond what we could ever give. Because Jesus was generous with love. He was generous with forgiveness. He was generous with mercy and justice. He was generous with encouragement and rebuke. He gave hard truth with grace. He gave spiritual nourishment along with healing. He gave templates and models for how to treat people and how to, how to pray and how to honor and respect authority. And he gave extraordinary teachings and lessons on, how, on things like pick up your cross and follow me. And then he gave the greatest gift of all, the gift that proved his generosity. He gave himself on a criminal's cross and paid the price for sin and for death so that you and I can have eternal life. Jesus was a generous giver, and he's calling us to be the same, not just to do the same, but to be the same. So how can we be generous like Jesus? Well, first, I think it's really important that we know what the definition of generosity actually is, and it's this. It's a readiness. We have it up here. It's a readiness, okay, a readiness. You're in place, you're ready. It's a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. It's a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. And it goes on to say that generosity is the opposite of selfishness. That in itself describes Jesus perfectly. Jesus was the complete opposite of selfish. In fact, he embodies selflessness. So how can we do that? I've heard it said before that radical generosity, radical generosity is a way of living, not just an act of giving. But I would argue that living a life of radical generosity as a way of living is the ultimate act of giving. We can be generous in many ways. We can be generous in, in paying for the coffee or the groceries for the person behind us. We can be generous in our kindness. We can be generous in our gratitude. We can be generous in our support. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous in listening. We can be generous in compassion. Remember, it's not just giving. It's giving more than is expected. We can be generous in tipping the server well over the standard amount. Or going to the nursing home and spending time with our seniors, finding someone here at the campus to mentor into a discipleship relationship. We can serve on a volunteer team here 
at New Life. Or maybe it's increasing what you're currently giving in your resources. Because if we don't become more generous with what's often referred to as our time, our talents, and our treasure, we'll begin to get stagnant and stale and bitter. For, for example, the Dead Sea in the Middle East receives fresh water, but there's no outlet. So it doesn't pass the water out. It receives beautiful waters from the rivers, and then the water goes bad. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. It receives, but it never gives. If we're just constantly receiving, but we're never giving because of a, a greedy, stingy, selfish, what's in it for me kind of mentality, our souls, which is made up of our thoughts and our motives and our feelings and our emotions, will eventually go bad. We actually have a whole fictional character created from this premise around Christmas called Scrooge. <laughs> Always receiving, never giving. We were meant to be givers of what God has given us. We were meant to give it away and use our generosity to grow his kingdom. We were never meant to hold it all close, to just keep what's mine as mine. So let's look at just a few ways that Jesus was a giver and how we can apply that to our life today. So if you're taking notes, uh, if you're, this is your first time here, the, the, we have notes available on the back of your program. You can take notes there. You can do it on our app as well. Write this down for number one. Giving like Jesus begins in my heart. Giving like Jesus begins in my heart. Generosity or the lack thereof is a strictly heart issue. Okay, Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I love the message translation. It says this, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. In Matthew 6, Jesus is, is teaching all these valuable, incredible, multiple lessons here. He begins by talking about uh, giving to the needy, and then he shifts to teaching the disciples how to pray. Then he gives a short lesson on what it means to fast, and then he pivots by talking about the life after this one, eternal life after death storing up treasures in heaven and being careful about the things for which we're investing here on earth. He's basically educating us about where we spend our time, where we spend our talents, where we're spending our treasures. And he's warning us to be cautious regarding our generosity, to make sure that our generosity, what's above and beyond what's expected or necessary, is going towards the things that really matter, kingdom things. That we should be a people of generosity because we want to, not because we have to. Think about the image of the cross. We're going to be reflecting on that here uh, just in the next few weeks as we get closer to Easter. But Jesus gave. Jesus was generous with outstretched arms and palms up in complete and total surrender to the Father. He prophesied that it was even going to happen. Mark 10, 45, he says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when you and I give... Our hearts should be in a surrendered posture so that spiritually our arms are stretched towards heaven with open hands and not closed fists. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. One of the uh, Greek translations of that word cheerfully also means hilarious. Do you have time to invest into someone else? Then give it cheerfully. Do you have the energy that some others may not have? Do you have resources that others may not have? Then give it cheerfully. Do you have a talent? Do you have ability? Do you have a skill that can somehow be used for God's purpose? Then give it cheerfully. Giving like Jesus begins in our hearts. So a question to ask yourselves, am I, am I selfishly holding tight to what I have? Or am I giving like Jesus? Am I living open-handed? Or am I reaching out with a closed fist? Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And that leads us to point number two. Write this down for number two. Giving like Jesus admits it's all his anyway. It admits that it's all his Anyway, one of our elder uh, board for, for New Life uh, as a whole, uh, Bob Fernandez, he lives between here and Turlock, and he's an almond orchard. He's an almond farmer. Amazing uh, uh, man of God, amazing elder for our church, and beautiful place, beautiful house, beautiful yard, beautiful landscaping. He's got this gorgeous pole barn with all these neat toys, toys you know, like four-wheelers and snowmobiles and all those things, beautiful pool. Every time I go out there, I always brag, Bob, man, God has blessed you. I love how, how much God has blessed you. I love your place. And his response every single time is the same to me. He always says, Jeremy, this is all God's. It's not mine. He, said, he always says this, I'm just managing it while I'm alive on this earth, but it all belongs to God. Think about your life here on earth for a minute. We've given this stat before that the odds of you even being born are one in 400 trillion. One in 400 trillion. And during this one life that you've been giving, this, given, this, this is basically the map of, of, of your existence. You're born, you grow up, you get a job, you maybe have a family, you work for 30 years, you retire, you hopefully live for 20 or 30 more years, and then it's off to the next life for you, my friend. You're like, Jeremy, that, that's pretty grim. Yeah, that's reality. That's exactly, look what James chapter 4 says. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. We all know that we're only on this earth for a short amount of time. We've all been given by God a specific set of skills and abilities and talents over the course of this one life here on earth. How are we going to invest those things into others? How are you being generous with what God has entrusted to you in this one life that you've been given? How are you investing those things into the kingdom? Are you generous-minded? My house, my cars, my clothes, my very small checking account, <laughs> all the stuff that we pursue in life will one day be gone. I'm managing it here on earth, but God is the owner. It all belongs to him. You think you're pretty smart? God's gifted you with some wits. Scored really high in your ACT like Cole back there did. <laughs> God gave that to you. You have NFL skills. First of all, I want to meet you. <laughs> NBA skills, MLB skills, whatever. God gave that to you. 
Can you shred a guitar like Eddie Van Halen or like Kevin here? Then God gave that to you. Are you highly relational and have a, have a great way to connect with people? That's God. Have you been blessed in your business? Blessed in your investments? That's God. John 3, 27, John the Baptist said this, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You may be thinking, Jeremy, I'm, I'm not really good at anything. You know, I can't see myself mentoring somebody or investing into people. I don't really have a whole lot of time on my hands. I work 100 hours a week, and I'm kind of a private person. I'm kind of quiet, but God has blessed me over and above in my finances. Good. Then you be generous with that. 1 John 3.17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Proverbs 22.9, blessed are those who are generous because they feed the, full, they feed the poor. Psalm 112.5, life is good for the one who is generous and charitable, conducting affairs in honesty and truth. These are just a few of the dozens of scripture that we can read about generosity and investing in the people. And that leads us to our last fill-in for the weekend. Because it's basically on this one life that you have, what are you leaving behind? How are you really impacting the kingdom? So the last film for the weekend is this. Giving like Jesus leaves a legacy and gains reward. It leaves a legacy and gains reward. Ever since Janet and I have been married, I've always been a very generous tipper. And I learned that because I worked at a restaurant for four years uh, early in our marriage. And I remember just getting stiffed. I'd go out on, on, on a delivery, they wouldn't give me a tip or I'd wait, you know, wait on, on a family and who had crazy kids throwing food everywhere and they would leave without tipping me. And I told Janet, I will never not leave a good tip for our server. And ever since we've been married, even when we didn't really have it, I was always a very, a very generous uh, tipper, especially if we go to a restaurant and the young lady uh, approaches our table and she's pregnant. Or what Janet says, here we go. Here we go. This one, this one's going to get a good one, you know, or I'll, I'll find out a little bit of their story. Maybe they just got married or maybe they're about to graduate from college or whatever. I always find out a little bit about their story and then I always leave a big fat tip at the end. And, and, and almost every time too, I'll, I'll write on the receipt, just a little something. Hey, God sees you. God loves you. Don't lose hope with God or just something, some little thing like that. Your baby's on its way and God's blessings are on you, or something like that, just a little something. And sometimes I'll, I'll wait by the window and watch them when they pick it up to see the, the, the tip and the little note, and you'll see them tear up a little bit. And I'm like, oh, it makes me feel so good to be able to do that. And you know what? And I've always done that in front of my children. I want them to see what it means to tip well and to also just leave a little note. And it's funny because sometimes my friends, my, 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 my kids will go out to, to lunch with their friends after school or whatever, and they know that when they get home, a question I ask, did you guys leave a big fat tip because all you rowdy teenagers that they had to wait on? Yeah, yeah, we all threw in like $5 or whatever. I want to leave, leave that kind of a legacy of being generous. One reason, uh, or uh, uh, we, we have but a small window uh, to impact God's kingdom here on earth and leave a legacy behind that causes ripple effects in our families and in our communities. Second Corinthians nine says this, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you will always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, listen to this, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. You catch that? Giving is a ministry. Your generosity is a ministry. 
Two things happen. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, number one, or in our case, Patterson or your community, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God, number two. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity. Remember generosity, going above and beyond, giving more of something than is expected or necessary to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul quotes Jesus in Acts 20, 35, when he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. One reason it's more blessed to give than receive is because when we give to others, we're making a mark on them. We're, we're leaving an imprint on their lives and a legacy that goes far beyond once we're gone. Now, here's what I've experienced in my own life. People who spend a lot of time with Jesus will naturally have hearts of generosity. That's what I've experienced in my own personal life. For anyone that says to me, Jeremy, I just want to be happy. Or I just want my, 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 my son, I, I want my kids happy. Or I want my family happy. Teach them. Teach them the heart of generosity. Demonstrate in front of them a heart of generosity. Because every extremely gener generous person that I know personally is a happy person. And I went way back into my years of first following Jesus at the age of 18 and some of the mentors that I've had, some of the people that I allowed to speak into my life, some of the people at the churches with whom uh, I, I served and I saw some of the things, some of the charitable organizations that they were in, some of, the, knowing some of the things that they did for the church or even outside the church. And I watched them, some of the most generous people that I know. And I thought about all those individuals and they're all really happy people. Conversely, I can't name one selfish tightwad who's a happy person. I don't know of any. Maybe you do, but I don't know of any. They're bitter. They're hateful. They're grumpy. They're stressed. They're distracted. They're unforgiving. They always want to monopolize my time. Yes, generosity is that fundamental to how you experience life. So since our lives are, are but vapors, here today and gone tomorrow, what is your legacy? What are you leaving behind? What impact are you having on those with whom you are connected deeply with? Your employees, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your church. How is your generosity growing the kingdom of God? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I make that declaration a lot. Janet hears a lot. We'll see things go on in culture. And she's like, don't say it. I'm like, as for me and my house, we're going to keep serving the Lord. But we want to be known as generous people. We want to be generous like Jesus and freely give what he's given us. Over the course of our marriage, we've taken people under our wings to coach and to mentor and to develop. We've given away two cars to single moms and students who are in need. We've helped kids go to youth camps. We've sponsored kids in other countries. We're regular givers here at New Life. We've given to the poor. We've helped spread the gospel on mission trips across the country and around the world. This year, we even made a commitment to help the National Animal Shelter Association. Yeah, because I'm that guy that when the commercials come on at Christmas, I'm crying and I'm signing up. $25 a month. Yes, I have a heart for, for little animals. And I'm not telling you all this to get a pat on the back. I'm not telling you all this to get 
any recognition. I want you to experience the same joy that Janet and I have experienced over our 30 years of marriage, especially in the freedom that we've experienced in being generous. So what is it for you? Where can you begin a heart of generosity today? Remember the definition of generosity, to give more of something than is expected or necessary. So maybe you're here this morning, maybe the area that you can give more of than is is expected or necessary is in the area of time. Can you give an hour a week and invest into someone? Remember, not just giving, giving above and beyond. You think, Jeremy, an hour, that's 52 hours a year. I don't know if I can do that. 30 minutes? 15 minutes? Can you have dinner ready for your spouse one day this week? You think, well, I already do that. Okay, then the definition of generosity is to do more of something. How about packing her lunch or packing his lunch? Can you serve at the food pantry on Thursdays? Well, I I work. Okay, well, how about jumping on one of our volunteer teams here at the church? Twice a month for an hour. What about being generous in your gratitude? What about being generous in your compassion? What about being generous in your appreciation? Just saying thank you more often to your employees. A little touch on the shoulder to say, hey, I really appreciate you. To the point where they look at you and go, really? (laughs) Yeah, I really do. Maybe it's cutting your neighbor's grass. Maybe it's giving more compliments and encouragement to your kids, to your spouse. Janet is not a words of affirmation girl, but she's a words of affirmation girl. And she loves it when I come up to her and put my arm around her and say, I'm so proud of you. Man, her eyes just light up. Maybe it's being generous with your resources. Maybe it's becoming a more consistent, creating a more consistent habit of giving here uh, at New Life. Maybe you've been get, uh, attending here for a while, a few weeks, a few months, a few years, and you think, you know what? God has immensely blessed my life. And over the last few months, I've just been tipping God. It's time for me to be generous in my giving. Maybe, and this is the tough one, maybe God is calling you this morning, prompting you this morning, convicting you this morning to be more generous with your forgiveness, with your grace, with your mercy. Maybe to others, maybe to one specific person that you've not shown a lot of forgiveness towards, that you've not shown a lot of grace towards, that you've not shown a lot of mercy towards. It's good for you to receive from God, but there's not really an outlet in your life. I want to point out a scripture here as I close. Jesus is teaching this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, and he says this, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Why is it poured into their lap? Well, probably because it's something that they're holding on to. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably heard this verse hundreds of times around the offering time. And can I tell you as your pastor, that is out of context. Let's read the verse right before. 
37. Do not judge others or you will be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Then give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount of forgiveness you give will be the amount of forgiveness you get in return. The amount that you judge will be the amount you are judged in return. The amount you condemn will be the amount of condemnation you get in return. So do you need to be a more generous person in your forgiveness? Because that sounds like somebody else. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate forgiver. And he is generous in forgiveness. He paid a price on a cross to prove it. So let's begin an outrageous heart of generosity today. We're talking about becoming like Jesus. So let's be generous like Jesus. Every single one of us in here have at least one area where we can begin to live in a habit of outrageous generosity, to give more than is expected or necessary. Identify what it is and begin being generous like that today. Will you bow your heads? Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us how to be generous. You are so generous with your kindness, with your love, with your mercy, with your grace, with your forgiveness, but also with your justice and with your rebuke, with your conviction. You always gave grace, but with truth. Father, we just love you for that this morning. Lord, I know that uh, this message, Lord, even as I was preparing it this weekend, Lord, you were showing me areas of my life where I can be more generous. Lord, I'm areas that I'm giving, but I'm not giving more than what's expected or necessary. And Lord, I pray that you'll prick all of our hearts this morning and show us those areas where we can all be more generous, where we can be a giver like you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for messing with us this morning, Lord. Thank you for uh, getting inside of our spirits, Lord, and showing us those things, Lord. And I pray that no one will be able to just to walk out of here and just put this message aside, Lord, but it has invaded our lives. And we are, begin, we are going to begin making changes today. I speak that out as though it were in faith. Thank you for every single person that's here, Lord. Lord, I pray as we go our separate ways that you'll just Protect us, keep us safe, Lord. Watch over us, Lord. Bring us back again next week, ready to serve and worship you. I thank you for every person that's here, Lord. I bless our faith family here this morning. Lord, I bless their marriages. I bless their children. I bless their health. And I pray, God, I bless their careers and their jobs, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we leave, Lord, that they will just feel the embrace of you in their life. They're making decisions now to become better followers of you for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Don't forget all the announcements that we made earlier. And uh, if you came prepared to give, uh, like, a, like I said, you can just drop that in the box on your way out. If this is your first time here, please do not leave without getting a gift. 
that we have uh, prepared uh, for you in the Welcome Center. Just walk up to them and say, hey, it's my first time here. Guys, we have a lot of great things happening here at New Life. We want you to keep coming back. Be blessed. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday.